Welcome, Traveler, to the Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, a cozy roleplay podcast where adventurers from many realms come to tell their tales. You won't find any dice rolls or TTRPG mechanics here, just good old-fashioned make-believe and storytelling. We hope you enjoy your stay, and if you do, that you let us know with a review. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's grab something hot to drink and listen to a story. Dear friend, the roof is leaking again. And the stables need new doors, after Charlotte kicked one of them down last night. And our shipment of meat is delayed from Trawbridge. Honestly, some days running an inn feels like chasing a kite in a tornado. Nevertheless, people still come and go. And recently, I had the most interesting encounter with a young woman looking for her brother. That is very much worth telling you. The Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, Book 2, Chapter 6, Two Hearts, Part 1. You've been walking along the road for most of the morning, having pitched a tent and a campsite the night before. Uh, Your journey westward across this countryside has been a difficult one from the standpoint of just how open and empty things have been. The last city you were at uh, was several days ago, and it's been, you you were told to keep heading west, you would eventually hit the coastal town, Uh, but it has been a longer journey than you initially expected. Nevertheless, you've kept your head on a swivel and your eyes peeled for any signs of uh, the one you're searching for. But at this point, it's just been... Empty but pretty countryside. Now, you've passed various farmers and tradespeople and travelers along the way. It's not a a desolate place by any stretch of the imagination. But as you've even stopped and maybe asked around or talked, no one's had any information that's been super helpful for you. That being said, you do, as the sun is starting to come up uh, into its zenith and, and, and noontime is approaching... You do see in the distance a little bit of movement of people, um, and there's a little hill and there's a building set up on top of it. Uh, you're not sure if this is a town or a way station or what. It's a little bit far from, from you for at the moment, but there's a little more activity in life than just the, the solitary farm houses or, or a couple of travelers uh, that you've passed over the last couple of days. So as you approach and get a little bit closer, uh, do you walk right in or anything else that you do there? Well, um, I think that the road has been long and I'm tired. Um, and it seems like a good place to talk to people and, you know, uh, see if anyone has the information that I require. Yeah. So you walk up and you quickly survey and see that this is sort of a pop-up town of sorts. There are there's a market set up and people are trading and, you know, selling and buying goods, but everything is off of carts or little stands that can be folded down and taken away the day after. Um there is just this one building that seems to be permanent. And as you get closer, it's very obviously a tavern or an inn. It's got a fieldstone base with wooden walls. It goes about two stories high. 
There is uh, both a ramp and staircase leading up to the front door and look around and kind of see that there's a stables in the back and catch a real brief glimpse of maybe like a garden um, or whatnot. But it seems to be the only permanent structure. As you maybe stop someone nearby and and ask them for, for information, you're very quickly kind of directed towards that inn as far as like, oh, you're a traveler. That's where you should go. The innkeeper might know something. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can press your luck a little bit here with the people in the market, but the first couple that you stop and talk to um, very politely kind of point you in that direction and then go back to their business. Well, it seems like that is where I have to go. That the innkeeper may have the information I want. Okay. You head up that direction and... You can hear inside there are people talking and there are a couple people coming in and out of the door. As you enter the inn, uh, it is an interesting sensation of stepping into, you know, it's a very bright sunny day outside and the windows are thrown open in the place, but it's still, uh, you know, kind of dimly lit inside. Um, There's just window light and the fireplace that is off to your left. Uh, that is going. There aren't any torches or lanterns currently lit. Um, The space itself is fairly large. It's like a big banquet hall style place with high ceilings, big wooden beams cutting across. Uh, The fireplace is all the way to the left, past the tables and chairs. Uh, There's an L-shaped bar that's right in front of you when you first walk in, and then a coat rack off to your right. And you see probably a half dozen, maybe eight folks uh, who are sitting and having lunch and drinking. Um, you see a young woman with wispy brown hair tied up into a bun who's working behind the bar and kind of popping in and out of a kitchen in the back, uh, bringing things out. And you see another gentleman who is uh, very thin and uh, wearing an apron that's kind of like a little too big for him um, and tied around uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's over by the fireplace and there's a big pot of something that he is stirring and uh, he's got like a little tray with him that has vegetables that are cut up and he's tossing them in um, and stirring this big pot of stew that he's preparing. As you walk in, people take notice of you, but don't, um, no one says anything. They just kind of look up and look back down, another traveler coming through. But then the young man who's stirring the pot does turn and just say, oh, welcome traveler. Uh, Have a seat anywhere. We'll be with you in just a minute. Thank you. Um, and Mariel, I think that you said there is a coat rack there is, and yeah. I think, um, so she takes off her traveler's cloak, um, and, uh, she's had the hood up for most of the time. And in fact, that's how she usually travels is hiding her face as much as she can. Um, she takes off her cloak and you see, um, a, a, a sort of, um, tallish sort of a little bit gangly younger than you would expect kind of a half elf woman um and uh she has long dark hair that's sort of very um practically uh braided down her back um and she you see also that um for her youth, um, she has these um, some pretty gnarly scars. Um, one of them that is on her cheek um, and others that you can kind of see on her um, hands and wrists or just other surprising places. Um, 
and but most notably her um outfit while like kind of typical a typical traveler's garb is um a patchwork almost entirely sort of almost like a very colorful patchwork type of um fabric that is specifically like the um so, uh, that is uh well what's the word i'm looking for it is very uh indicative of the people of argentum uh is that they're known for this like sort of um uh, multicolor patchwork type of uh textiles um and uh so muriel brightstar goes to uh sit down at a table and uh, wait for the young man to come over. As you sit down and kind of take in the scene around you a little bit more, a couple folks do give you a curious look. Uh, your your garments are uh, a little different looking than the norm, but uh, you've been running into that uh, fairly often. And it's not, uh, no one no one ever stares for too long. They just take notice and go back to what they're doing. The young man comes over, uh, wiping his hands clean. He's got a big smile on his face and says, Welcome! I uh, haven't seen your face here before. Uh, I'm the innkeeper here. Uh, can I get you a food, drink? Uh, both. Yes, both. it's been a long road. Yeah, what's your uh, what's your preference? Ah, uh, um, uh, something strong would be nice. Sounds good. Um, and that stew you have over there by the fire seems... Uh, it smells amazing. Right now, it's mostly lamb and tubers and a l- and you know, plenty of salt, of course. Uh, still sound amazing? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? Anything is better than my uh, traveling rations. <laughs> well, hopefully we can do one better than traveling rations. Coming right up. And he goes over and grabs a big wooden bowl and a cup and pours uh you see him actually kind of reach underneath the bar and pull out a glass bottle and pour a dark liquor into it and <laughs> then uh goes over and gets some stew out of the pot and brings those over to you uh and he said hey, well yeah one moment one moment he kind of disappears real quick into the kitchen comes back out with a wooden plate and it's got bread and butter on it um and sets that in front of you uh are you going to be staying for a while do you need a room or anything well um uh, perhaps you're the person that I should be speaking with, but I um, I was told that the innkeeper may know about the movements of people in and out of this area. Uh, they give me too much credit. I, I will try to help however I can, but uh, they, uh, he kind of looks out and gives like a, a laugh, but like there's a little frustration to it. And he's like, everybody keeps just throwing everyone this direction and it's yeah i'm not I'm not an information booth anyway <laughs> uh what who are you looking for well um i'm looking for my twin brother oh um yeah he well we look alike but um if you uh, well let me think about how my mother used to say she used to say that if my brother was the sun, I was the moon. Um, and that very much describes my brother's appearance. He has this um, ray of golden curly hair, uh, bright green eyes, and about, about my height, perhaps a little taller. 
Does he and, have uh, similar clothing and garb? Yes. Well, not when I last saw him. He was wearing the robes of ascension then, but I... He he carries a, a lute with him. Oh. A... He has a voice like an angel. Huh. Is he a bard by trade? Uh, well, not by trade, but, uh, definitely if he had his way. (laughs) (laughs) I've known the type. Um, I am so sorry, but the, the person you're describing is not one that I've seen, um, come through these doors. We've had some traveling bards recently, but, uh, none by that description. No, no. Well, I may as well stay a while though. I, it has been a long road, and but I have tracked him, his general location to this plane, but he continues to elude me. To this, to this place, or I'm, or you? Did you say to this plane? Plane. Oh. Um, yes. Oh, you're so you're you're not from Alson then? No, no, I, I'm from a place called Antares. Oh goodness! And he uh, or a plane? He like leans in and like all of a sudden, you, like he kind of was giving you the whole like standing there casually chatting, but you know, kind of keeping an eye and ready to just you know pull himself away from the conversation whenever. But now he like turns fully towards you and even like bends down a little. And he's like, I, "Would you mind if I sat for a second? This is fascinating." Oh no! Of course, he like immediately Please. pulls the chair out and sits right in, and he goes, "So this is this is fascinating." Did you, did you, you meant to come here then? Yes. Yes, I purposefully traveled through the veil of, uh, that was separating our worlds. That, I came here. We, we have people, so this, uh, where do I begin? There's so much to this. Um, this kingdom, this world, this plane, whatever you want to call it, tends to, things shift a lot here. The, the, the planes of existence, the... Um, the veil between them seems to be fairly thin. And so it yes. not enough to disturb life every day, but it happens more often than I think it probably does other places. And we have travelers, for whatever reason, end up at this particular place quite often um, from other planes of existence. But they, this is the fascinating part, they always get here accidentally. You came here on purpose. Yes, I did. I don't know if my brother came here purposefully or accidentally, oh, but that's a good point. My my brother is well both of us are running from something and that uh that traveling planes may somewhat rectify the situation, but always not for long. He goes to say something, and then you hear the woman's voice, uh, the thin, uh, kind of wispy-haired woman's voice uh, from over in the kitchen go, Henry, I've got more for you. And he's like, ah, can you give me just a minute? Oh, of course. He gets up. He's like, I'm coming. Goodness. And he runs back into the kitchen and comes back out with a, a large bowl with various vegetables that are cut up. He's like, trudges over to the pot, dumps it in, keeps it stirring. Um, you get the idea that this is like a perpetual stew, it just kind of keeps changing with whatever, whatever they need it to to be yeah. throughout the day. Uh, just like in the old medieval times. Exactly. Exactly. They just keep putting stuff in. That is my. It's one of my favorite uh, 
favorite medieval tropes that doesn't get used enough. I'm like, I want to try that. <laughs> um, but he finishes up, and then a couple other people grab him as he's coming, and they he, okay, and gets new drinks and new food. Um, new person comes in and sits down that he chats with real briefly. But after about ten minutes or so, um, he kind of swings back around, and he's got that glass bottle with him now. And he's like, "Would you like another?" Oh yes, please. Pours um, you one, and she takes a sip. Um, thank you. You've uh, this. This stew is excellent. It's pretty good right now. It uh, earlier it was getting a little iffy, but um, we we just we put some weird. We tried things that didn't weren't. Uh, yeah, um, but. But it. it, it however, uh, uh, however, you got to this point. <laughs> We'll try to we'll try to write down the the recipe here if I can remember it. Um, and he sits back down. I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but you said you were running from something. Um, do you do you need safe passage? Do you need help? <laughs> and, uh, and and you kind of see now that uh, there's there's this sort of aura present around. Muriel that you maybe didn't notice before or perhaps you when people look at it it's sort of like something out of the corner of your eye mm. like a shifting shadow that you can't quite see but now as you see her sitting at the table it's almost like a sort of um, a dark blanket around her um, it, it is this sort of aura that uh, flickers in and out of existence um, and you're never quite sure what it is or what you saw um, and Muriel just takes another sip and says um, yes uh, I <laughs> I don't even know where to begin but nothing can help me now he looks, Except perhaps my twin. He looks very concerned and kind of settles into his chair a little bit. And he's just like, well, I don't mean to press you if you're, if you're not comfortable, but maybe if you, maybe if I knew more, maybe, maybe I could, I could put the word out or, or um, maybe he has been through here and I'm just not remembering properly. Could you, would you be willing to tell me more of your story? Of course. Well, it has been some time since I have told my tale, and in this plane I feel that I feel a bit freer, perhaps, mm. than I would back where I came from. But, well, I suppose I should start from the beginning. It's a good place. I was born, as I said, in a plane, another plane of existence called Antares. Oh, right from the beginning. Yes. <laughs> and I was born to a group, uh, a, a very isolated religious sect. They called themselves the Pilgrims of Sin. Um, our goddess was the Lady Sin the gatekeeper to paradise through her you would find infinity and well <laughs> we'll get to that 
sin as in wrongdoing or is that well that is the so it's uh s-y-n-n but uh you know the irony has not been lost on (laughs) me (laughs) but yes the lady sin she is a celestial um an angel and as we thought the um the gatekeeper to eternal paradise and my mother was uh the high priestess of the southern temple Uh, in her youth she was a bit um before she became the high priestess she was a bit more rebellious um she had an affair with uh, a uh with a traveler and uh, and that was the union from which I and my twin brother were born. Oh, never met my father, but uh, all I know is that he was an elf, and uh, and I carry his uh, his surname, hmm. Brightstar. And I'm told that I look very much like him. But when, as, as does tend to happen in these communities, um, the circumstances of uh, my birth um, and my, my brothers as well, obviously, since we are twins, um, isolated us from even the rest of our people. It's a common but unfortunate tale, I've yes. heard. Yes, we were... Always, uh, always, I would be remembered as uh, we would be remembered as our mother's shame, um, a shame that she, in her, um, even up until her death, that she always tempted to atone for. And so, however, unlike my brother, well. I suppose, I suppose I, I was a bit more, I was always more curious about the world outside of the temple. I always wanted to travel. I wanted to uh, find uh, ancient civilizations. I, I wanted to read all about them and then go visit the places that I had read about, um, you know, sometimes I talked about what if we got an airship and we just traveled all around Antares, hmm. um, all these places that I had only seen in books. Oh, I uh, I relate. I I grew up with my nose stuck between pages myself, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, you do seem like a scholarly type. Oh goodness, no! Uh, <laughs> kind of laughs and looks around. He's like, I am the uh, tavern running type, uh, but. Um, but you are curious, and your mind is sharp. Well, when you work a place like this, I think if you do it right, you have to stay curious, because everybody coming through has a different story, just like you are telling me yours now, and it's uh, it's one I won't forget, I'll tell you that. But please continue. <laughs> yes. My curiosity and uh, search for knowledge, well, it wasn't... Uh, it was uh, looked upon unfavorably by the pilgrimage. Um, 
We are meant to take the scriptures of sin without question. We are meant to walk the pilgrimage path with our, uh, well, <laughs> as you said, uh, a nose in a book, and that book is scripture. Um, and that we are to trust in Our Lady in all things. But I, I was not like that. And so oftentimes I found that even uh, <laughs> that even more so, I was more isolated from my peers. Um, I ended up working in our archival system for some time with an old gnome named Weaver. And um, those were some of my happiest days, but most of my time was spent uh, amongst these old tomes. But my brother was more of your a perfect poster boy for the pilgrimage because of course he was um like i said if i was the moon he was the sun are you the older of the two yes eh, i figured there's he kind of chuckles and looks over towards the kitchen he's like younger siblings <laughs> can be uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes and because he conformed to the pilgrimage's beliefs and uh, spent much more time than me studying, uh, uh, studying ancient celestial, studying Our Lady and um, becoming a choir boy and, um, you know, even composing hymns for the goddess, oh. um, that... Uh, he was obviously more favored than by my mother. And so, but, but he never, he never looked down upon me though. He always loved my bookishness and my curiosity. And, and sometimes we even talked about running away together on an airship and maybe even finding our father someday somewhere on that plane. And so then when we were, God, 14, 15, maybe, um, my brother was chosen for the rite of ascension. That sounds quite serious. Yes. Well, it was a happy occasion at the time, but I learned the truth not long after. Every year, the Pilgrims of Sin choose amongst them pilgrims that exemplify the highest of um, the the highest of, of virtue, um, the the uh, highest standards of virtue and talent and piety amongst them. Um, and these individuals, they are chosen then to, to enter the gate of paradise and to be with sin forever. Um, we never use the word sacrifice, oh. but it was um, because we saw it as they were getting entrance into the eternal paradise a little early. 
uh, that, well, I don't want to pass judgment, but that sounds dark. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, at the time, um, at the time we were all elated that my brother had been chosen. It mm. is a, it is an honor. And the families of the chosen are treated with great respect and, mm. um, and are given uh, uh, extra, uh, uh, they're given gifts and things for many years after um, because of the fact that they produced such a, um, such an exemplary individual. And so at the time, I regret this most uh, because my brother told me that he had been ascended or chosen for ascension, and that he was scared. That he didn't want to leave me. Mm. And that he didn't want to leave this plane of existence behind. That, But at the time, I was jealous. I was wishing that I was a, be a better pilgrim, that we maybe could have been chosen together. I was angry that he was leaving me behind my only friend in the world besides Weaver. Um, and so I told him, I, I dismissed his fears. And I told him only that a good pilgrim would walk the path into the light without fear in his heart. Mm. And that was the last time that we spoke. So did he, did he die? No, he did not. He, well, let me explain. Ascension the the rite itself is strangely beautiful. They dress in these um, all white robes, and the lady Sin appears. She is a beautiful woman um, that wears blue. She has hair as red as blood, the life's blood, as we would call it, um, and eyes that are an icy blue. And she would take them to her tower where the gate of paradise resides. And they disappear and we have an enormous celebration. But months later, during an assembly, um, the Lady Sin appeared. She normally does not appear to us outside of the rite of ascension. It is highly unusual. Mm. And this time when she appeared, she was, she was different. She was angry and spiteful. She demanded to know where my brother was. And said that he had escaped her 
he had run and that the loss of her canary, she called him, hmm. um, that she would make us pay the price. And then I saw, well, the, it's hard to, sorry, this part is difficult. No, no, I, I just, so suddenly from her, from her back sprouted a single skeletal wing and then she began to tear the congregation apart piece by piece. I ran and I hid in the archives and I could hear my people lying all around. I'm so sorry. And then she found me in the archives and I just, I managed to strike her and then she grabbed me and I think she realized who I was. And that was when, that was when she made me I don't know what the word is for it, but I know some places they call us uh, warlocks. I'm familiar with it. A, a pact was struck. Yes. Not uh, mostly against my will. And she told me that she would allow me to live and that she would not make me take my brother's place if I found my brother for her. And then she showed me the truth of the tower and the gate to paradise. I get the feeling that she's not a celestial. Well, she is, but uh. a dark, dark celestial, dark reflection of mm. one. One that takes pride and pleasure in the pain and torturing of others. She showed me the tower and the tower is not a gateway to paradise. It is her personal hunting ground, if you will, in which the ascended run the gauntlet every year and she hunts them down and tears them apart. But then and your brother must have made it out of it then. That is the part that I'm not sure. It seemed like she called him her canary. And that she so enjoyed his singing voice. Mm. It seemed that perhaps he gained her favor for some time. In a way that the other ascended did not. And that he survived the horrors, that tomb. And, but beyond that, I 
she will not tell me anything and well and she wouldn't now especially what makes you think that he's here in this plane he's running from her and she will not rest until she gets back what uh, she considers to be her things her possessions if, I, if I've learned anything uh, I know that she is vindictive to almost to a fault mm. and I was able to with some use of um, some of my magics divine that he had left the plane of Antares for this plane but I could not find his location and well I don't know if I want to find him either I was just going to ask is your <laughs> do you plan to deliver him over <laughs> For a long time, I was haunted by the dreams of the tower, of my, uh, of people that I used to break bread with, people that I sang in celestial in the in assemblies with that were tortured for years inside that tower, were killed in the most gruesome ways possible the vision she showed me of that place it is a dark dark place in my soul and I was very afraid but now I don't know all I want is all I want is if if I cannot if we cannot be free of this this curse then my brother I I want him to be free of it he has already suffered so much so I search but you could say I'm not really looking very hard. And eventually, someday, Sin will grow tired of me and she will make me take his place. But for now, I amuse her just enough to stay here. I mean, if you found him, could the two of you run together? Perhaps. But I... Unfortunately, if we were to do that, I would have to find a way out of my pact. And at this time, I'm still searching for a way. Yeah, magical promises are a hard thing to break, in my experience. Yes. And mine, I, I wish I had been stronger. I wish I had just gone to the tower in his stead but I I was young well you were you were young and you were also raised under 
lies and false pretenses and yes when we when we aren't given the truth we can only be responsible for so much of what we do based off of what we what we know yes now you have the truth yes but it's too late but i hope that perhaps the pilgrims of sin will die with me that no one will ever be subjected to this fate again But that is a bit of a pipe dream. Because that would require actually killing a celestial, and that is something that I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out. Well, if you believe the stories not too long ago here in this plane, <laughs> apparently a Dark God it's himself was rebuffed. I've heard of stranger things happening. Perhaps it's fortuitous that I found myself in this place t- oh, today, then. Perhaps. There are, there are strong heroes here. But... Well, let me ask you this. Um, I'm, and I'm... I ask this perhaps against my better judgment, but... I may have a way to contact your brother truly I they're minor magics but I dabble a little bit and there is a there is a spell that can send a message great distances now, I've never met him but if you described him well enough I could try I don't know if it would work and honestly if I don't know that you want me to. <laughs> hmm. Yes. I... I don't know. I am... I suppose you could say I'm resigned to my fate now. That I will be forever traveling alone. Well, not truly alone. I'm never fully rid of her. Even though... Sin does not necessarily live on this plane. She still has her claws dug deep in my soul. She follows me around everywhere I go. Mm. But... I think... Well, perhaps... Perhaps I could leave a message for him with you. Of course. If he were to ever come through... uh, I would... I would recognize him based on your description now. Yes, his what? name is Gale. I was just going to ask. Gale. Yes, Gale Vandaly. He took my mother's last name. Hmm. I also was once Muriel Vandaly, but when I left the pilgrimage and became uh, Sin's servant, I... I wanted to, I don't know, I don't know why, but I remembered the one time that I asked my mother about my father, and that was what she told me, that his name was Brightstar. And so I took his name. Hmm. New beginning. Yes. I... I don't think I I wanted to 
not have any more ties to that place to I mean which is silly I will always be tied forever but I don't know it felt right somehow well our past is our past and things happen and you can't change them but I for one very much believe in being in the future, the you you want to be, is there's no better time to start than the present, and you are Bright Star. Yes. Yes. What well. message would you like to leave him? He actually pulls out like a scrap of paper um, yeah. and a little charcoal pencil. Um, tell him that his big sister loves him and that I'm sorry. Do you want me to point him in the direction you go, or... Hmm. Or maybe I could... I could always send you that message as well. Perhaps. Perhaps that is best. I think that at this point... At this point, if I if he wants to find me, it is a death sentence, and I I'd rather <laughs> I would rather run to the ends of the earth. <laughs> I'd rather keep him far, far away from me. So. Leave him that message, but do not tell him where I've gone. Understood. He folds the paper up and tucks it away. And then gets you more food if you want, um, but goes back to his duties. You're running the inn, mm -hmm. cleaning up, waiting on other people, welcoming other travelers. The day goes by and you're given a room for the night. Uh, he doesn't ask for any coin in exchange. And in the morning, breakfast and also uh, a small pack of provisions. Um, and he kind of chuckles as he hands it to you and he's like, uh, you, you said your road rations weren't so great. Um, hopefully these are a bit of a bit of an improvement, <laughs> at least for the next few <laughs> days. Um, if you're headed west, Inaport is about two days away, um, and you'll find opportunity there for sure, and perhaps even passage across the sea to places I'm not familiar with. Hmm. Passage across the sea. That... I think, I think I would like to see the sea. I've been uh, there once. It's a sight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sight to see for sure ah yes well <laughs> i wasn't going to uh stoop low for the pun but i'm glad uh, you, i'm glad yes. you went for it well you know i have few pleasures in my life at this point <laughs> but puns are one of them i i i respect that <laughs> <laughs> yes well thank you for your kindness and uh Bye. I, are you sure that i cannot compensate you with some coin it's just ah. i just have argentum 
uh, coin, but uh, it's well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Something here. What's what's the lowest value coin that you have? <laughs> I have uh, the middling argent, and I will give you I like a, it's one. like a copper. <laughs> yep, I I'll take one of those, and I have a little bit of a collection of <laughs> pieces from folks who have come through from various realms, and I'll add it there, and that is payment enough. Yes. Until we meet again. I hope we do. It was good to meet you. And he gives you your pack, and you make your way. Mm -hmm. Later that day, the innkeeper is cleaning up around the place, starting to you know, get a new pot of stew boiling, cutting bread, preparing for more people to come. When suddenly the door throws open, and standing in the doorway is Gail Vandaly. And that, dear friend, is not the end of our story about these sundered siblings. I will write to you soon with part two. Till then.